Yo guys, what's up? Today's interview, I'm chatting with my mate from Bali and from Canada, Diamond He's such a cool dude. We had like such an epic conversation all about how to really start being the person you need to become in order to have every single thing you want. It's a very in-depth conversation. Um, really, really cool stuff. Something we've never spoken about on this show before. So it's all about how to build your build yourself worth happily achieving and get away from destructive patterns that aren't serving you because we all do it and the crap thing is we just aren't aware of it. So in this conversation, we help people become aware of the things they're doing that aren't taking them where they want to go and how to change the rest of their life and start doing the things they need to do in order to get more of the things that they want. This is a really awesome episode. Can't wait to get into it. Let's go. Welcome to the Dreaming Out Loud family where young entrepreneurs come to get inspired, learn the tips, tricks, and attitude of what it takes to live their dream life. I'm your host, Morgan Nelson, and each week, I'm going to bring you the most epic guests to share their stories and wisdom to help you expand your mind of what's truly possible in your world. All right, guys, today's guest is, this man is a super dad who is dating his wife. Together on a mission to positively impact a million people and leave and lead a fun, I can't even say that word, fun, functionally, functionally, but hyphenate the fun in it, (laughs) fit life through education, encouragement, and community. He models his work around the five Fs, which is fitness, family, faith, finances, and mostly fun, which is built on a rock-solid foundation of health. So please help me welcome the guy who went from being the COO of a multi-million dollar retail company to now being a well-sought-after lifestyle mentor and executive performance coach and the author of The Whole Life Fitness Manifesto, my dear friend, Mr. Di Manuel. How are you, mate? Well, now I feel much better. Thanks, Morgan. I mean, <laughs> like, there's an intro. I'm going to record that and take it with me everywhere. No, that, I appreciate it. It's a mouthful, I know. Gosh. L- listen, listen to it every day. Just like hype yourself up. Like, yeah, that's me. That's me. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, is, is uh, well, you know, life is it's just a sum of a bunch of experiences, right? And uh, nothing matters more than right now. But when I think back on some of the stuff that I've done in my 43 years on this planet, I'm always like, wow, I've done a lot of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Just, and you were sort of talking about that. You know, you're sort of leaning into a new chapter in your life with a big pivot. Yep. And uh, that's huge, isn't it? Yeah, it's exciting. So let's start with that. 43 years that you've done a lot in your life. Take us back to, you know, the, the back because you've made the transition from being in the rat race, corporate life, mm-hmm. to now going on creating the most epic life with you and your incredible <laughs> family. It's just so fun. Um, take us back a little bit. Tell us a bit more about, about you and what was the life for you back, back then? Well, you know, it's interesting because when I think back on it, like, you know, sometimes, well, at least this is the way I look back on things. It's almost like watching TV shows, right? Like you just sort of got an idea. You know, like when you see a rerun and you're just kind of like, mm, I think I've seen this before. And then you got to watch a little bit more. And it's like, I've definitely seen this one before. And then you get to a point and then you're like, oh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I know this one. Uh, sometimes my memories are like that, especially up until I was about 10. You know, like there's not a lot back there. But why I'm bringing that up is, you know, it was roughly around the age of nine that my parents uh, separated, which eventually divorced bringing this up because it sort of put me on a path that uh, didn't serve me very well but in retrospect and looking at where I am now it was essential to get me to where I am now and and what I mean by that is from the age of 9 to 14 I 
withdrew a lot. Uh, I felt like the only thing that gave me that satisfaction or, or a sense of control or worth was food and video games. Like literally, I, I ate a lot of very nutrition poor foods, you know, high calorie, and I wasn't moving my body. I was playing video games or watching movies. You know, I was, I was doing as little movement as I possibly could. And as you can imagine, you know, you're in the health space as well, and you compound these negative habits over and over and over again. It just all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're like, whoa, where that extra, you know, forty kilos come from? And uh, I, I remember the doctor in the doctor's office. My he was saying to my mom dies morbidly obese and you know i'm like 14 at the time i'm like i don't know what those words mean <laughs> mm. you know like what are you talking about and uh, my mom was you know pretty alarmed because i had a lot of other health complications being in that state of unhealth and long and short of it all right before i turned 15 it just had a breakdown like literally that's the easiest way to describe it and, and it got very very clear i was either gonna remain the rest of my life more afraid of not changing or I could embrace the fear of changing, which I felt was a lot less. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So we're, mm. we're either, I felt I had two paths. There was a third, but, you know, after rationing, uh, rationalizing, I, I wasn't going to commit suicide. You know, I, I was, that was just way too big. And, but I entertained the idea, you know, and, and then it just came down to, it's like, I'm more afraid of staying the way I am right now. And, and cause I already knew it wasn't going to get better. Then I was of the idea of actually embracing the unknown and saying, okay, well, what do I need to start doing to turn my life around? Mm. And, and I think people can relate to this. You know, we get to those moments in our life where we feel like, gosh, things can't get any worse. I mean, obviously, if we let our imaginations go, they probably can. But really, when it gets down to it, when we're stuck in that space, I think human nature naturally just wants to, to help us get up. I really do. I, I feel that it's just it's in our DNA to want to survive, to want to thrive. And, yeah. and, and sometimes I think we get in our own way, case in point. Uh, you know, but it, it's, it's, I just got up and I, I just, I tell my kids this and you're going to laugh too, because uh, I'm quite a bit older than you and uh, quite a bit older than my kids. <laughs> I told them I went to the library. <laughs> and I got books out on fitness and nutrition and, and they're like, you went to the library. What? And I'm like, yeah, internet back then. I mean, you guys would laugh. Your, your calculators are faster. You know? I, so, I, I'm like yeah. on the cusp, like my age, like I, I'm so grateful to be my age <clears throat> because I grew up with like both worlds. I grew up with mm. all this technology, but I also grew up like on the cusp of, mm. you know, you have to be home when the streetlights go on. Yeah, 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 all yeah, those yeah. things. I grew up on the cast. <laughs> I, you know, where where we had to get information from encyclopedias and stuff like that, yes, right? So right. I do remember when the internet came out. I was extremely young, but I'm so grateful for yeah. those early years of my life. Where I've got the appreciation. It's very interesting for like the the new, newer generation, like your kids, can't where that's all they do know. It's it's very interesting. That, like I tell them, I'm older than Google, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> and they just, they, they can't wrap their head around that, right? They, yeah. they can't even envision a world uh, of like that. But what happened to me at that time, I just said, you know, that's enough. I got to make some changes because I'm not going to accept this path that is very clearly laid out in front of me. You know, we have to get honest with ourselves. It's like, oh, if I keep doing the same thing I'm doing now, is it right of me to expect different results? Well, no, of course not. Einstein has a theory around that, and, you know, but uh, bottom line is I, I just said, okay, that's enough. And it took 20 months, 20 months of being consistently aiming to, to improve my health, you know, and that was moving my body a bit more, understanding nutrition better, you know, understanding how foods actually make me feel and eating based on that rather than trying to count calories and all this other stuff. I didn't worry about that. I just really focused on whole foods. That, that was the gist of it and just not as much volume 
and cutting out sugar was a big one. Mm-hmm. And uh, next thing you know, 20 months later, it was like, whoa, this is pretty cool. And, and wh- why I'm going to cut this story short is, is that process taught me a lot about myself that I can actually make changes. So it gave me that confidence in myself that if I ever need to, to change something, I, I feel very confident I can do it because I can just repeat the same process I've gone through. It might be a different challenge, but I know that if I'm consistent, I educate myself, I look for some support inside of myself, I'm a pretty resilient guy. You know, I can do this. And uh, so that was a, a really nice life lesson to have, you know, before I was even 18. And uh, people saw this transformation. And, and think back to, to probably moments in your own life. There's probably been those moments where you've done something just super cool or something very different that people can tell that it took some effort to do that. And they saw this change in me and it attracted people to start asking me questions, you know, like, Hey, and then we started asking me about fitness and asking me about nutrition, ask me for advice on how they can get a bit healthier, release a few pounds. And I got really excited because I was like, wow, this is awesome. I can coach people. I can help people make a difference and, and help them make their life better. And I was like, whoa, I like this. I really like this. I could do this for a long time. And that's just sort of catapulted me into my career, which has now been 25 years in the health and wellness industries, you know, and different, different capacities, of course. Uh, but the end goal was always, I want to just help people live better lives. And uh, I still continue to do that. But that's the origin story. That's like the original story, the OG. Yeah. But uh, yeah, not too much to add to that. I love that. And what you were saying was, you know, and so, so crazy if you think of that, what at about the age of 16, I think you said when you made this decision, right? 15, 16, 14, 14, 14, uh, almost 15, almost 15. Yeah. So I was actually 14. Yeah. Crazy. Like that you, you sat and actually thought about, cause that's, that's the thing that most people kind of bury their heads in the sands about, or just don't really have that level of consciousness around actually evaluating, Hey, if I continue doing this, this is the path I'm going. Or if I do something different right now, radically yeah. change it and it's going to compound another direction but you said something about <clears throat> the fear of staying the same mm. was far worse than the fear of actually doing the work yeah. and i truly think that's the main thing that keeps people where they are they yes. think they think that one other way is going to be easier or there's going to be no nothing to be scared of but yeah. I, I think you can't avoid fear you can't avoid fear you can't avoid hard work because it's either, but what you can, people look for where they can get the instant gratification. And that's, well, oh, if I need to bust my ass and eat uh, healthier food that I don't might like right now, or I need to work out in the gym every single day, that's <sighs> hard right now. But what's going to be hard if they don't do it is having diabetes. Yeah, your life changes. And I always equate that to the quality of life aspect, which we don't often think about because that's what you just said there. You know, we, we do have this desire for instant gratification. I look at most of my 20s was spent that way, even up until my early 30s. It was like, right now, I'm going to do whatever I want right now. Like, I want to take all my friends out for drinks. I'm going to do that right now. And, oh, okay, I'll put it on this credit card right now. <laughs> you know, But you don't really think about tomorrow. And and it was that carefree lifestyle that, that created a lot of other turbulence in my life, especially as I was as a young father at that time too. And, you know, scaling my business as a business partner and now things are going really really well yet from the outside looking in I was I was a bit of a mess you know like I was just struggling uh, to keep it all together and and yet I found something that worked really well at helping me relax and and I could justify it because oh I worked really hard I'm supporting my family I'm doing all this great volunteer work da, 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 right like we justify it in our mind all of our actions all the time whether they're mm. good or bad we still justify it and and I found myself justifying my 
daily drinking. You know, it was like, I deserve this. I deserve a couple of drinks, you know? And uh, also I used to deal with a lot of anxiety and social awkwardness, like around that anxiety. You know? And uh, it was actually what brought me to Toastmasters eventually, because after I stopped drinking, I was like, oh, geez, you take away that crutch. I got to learn how to walk again. <laughs> and yet I was not going to be able to stay home. I mean, I had a company. I had some other ventures that I was working on and I needed to be out there. I wanted to be out there because I still had this desire to help people in their lives, but I knew one-to-one is just not the way to do it. You know, I, I'm not going to hit the million mark, <laughs> you know, inspiring a million role models around the world. And anyway, so I, you know, stopped drinking. Um, there's some meaty stories there and maybe we can talk about that. But, it, I, you know, why I'm sharing this is like, it's funny. We, we think we get it figured out. Life is great. It, isn't it weird? And I don't know if you've read the book, The Big Leap, but mm-hmm. he, he talks. I love it. Uh, me too. I, I absolutely love it. But it, I love it so much because it always reminds me of, of the ceiling that I always imagine is above my head. But more upper importantly, limit. yeah, not just the upper limits, but it's also the, those limiting beliefs that are in mm. the back of my mind. And a lot of them are founded on past experiences, you know, like they're rooted there. Like even as a kid, you know, with that issue of I'm not enough, nobody wants me. You know, like the biggest motivation why I ended up getting fit at 15 was I wanted a girlfriend, Morgan, like straight up, dude. I wanted a girlfriend. I wanted a yeah. a girl that wanted me for me. You know, I wanted to feel appreciated. I wanted to feel wanted, you know, loved. And uh, so these different motivations, right, they set in. But yet the mind, there's been lots of times where I still believed I was that little overweight teenager. And it carried wow. forward to the point where it made me awkward in social situations because I didn't ever put myself in those situations. Yeah. And then when I would, well, give me a couple of drinks and everything was okay. <laughs> yeah. So it just became this habit. I didn't feel like I could be me or open up to people unless I had a few drinks. And, and we all know where that goes. And so that was pretty much all my 20s and even the first couple of years of my 30s. So how did you start to develop, how did you start to develop better beliefs about yourself uh, and new identity and, and all that? Well, you know, an interesting question, Morgan. It's like, if I asked you, what is success to you? Success to me. Success to me is many things, I guess, just being fulfilled, happy. I, I think there's many, many boxes. Like, I think the first thing most people think about is wealth, uh, which is highly up there, like with oxygen, right? Sure. But, you know, you can't have, I, I wouldn't, if you got a billion dollars in a bank, but you're on your deathbed, horrible health, I don't think that's success. If you've got amazing health, you got a lot of money, but you have no friends, I don't think that's success. But I think if you have a lot of friends, you have a lot of money, you have a lot of health, uh, but you've got like shit experiences, you spend your whole life like working and straight, like, you know what I mean? So I think there's, there's many mm-hmm. things. I think there's a, a, like, especially for me anyway, it's got to have amazing relationships, well financially, um, happiness, joy within yourself, fulfilled spiritually, um, great re- relationships. I'm not sure if I said that, but yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I love this. And, and so just want to cut to the chase. You're absolutely right. That's what success is. Now, I, I say this tongue in cheek because you listed off a lot of parameters of what successful is to you. You mm. even said that to me. You know, you said, in my opinion, in my experience, this is how you value success. And it is a very subjective concept. It really is. And whatever our beliefs are around what it means to be success, we, we often attach this to our core values, or at least we try to align our values with those uh, also those values and and then we determine some of our actions you know and our choices are influenced based on this vision we have of who we're becoming the successful version of us right that it's taming all this self-awareness and 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 self-actualization and uh you know and the funny thing was is in my 20s dude i didn't have 
the same concept of what success is like you just described to me. I really wish I did. <laughs> My life would be very different today. But for success me, success is like if, if I can go out and I can hit 20 shots before midnight, that's a <laughs> successful night. If I can pick up tonight, that's success. Uh, I, is that what you're talking about? Like that, that the there success was, changes, right? Well, yeah, but you have to realize I was in a committed relationship with my wife and I had two young daughters. And as much as it it was, (laughs) my idea of success was, yeah, the the home, the cars, you know, the title and my career, uh, like just the status, like it was wild how I would try to feel that love. Like I, I felt I was missing, you know, as a teen, that thing that really drove me uh, to make some of those initial changes. And, and then now, you know, wanting to be wanted by more than just that. It was like, I want to be seen as this person. And the funny thing is, is, you know, they call this cognitive dissonance in psychology, this idea that we, we, we envision ourselves showing up like this, right? This is who we are. <laughs> Sorry. Tell Chris you said hi. Yeah, I will. <laughs> um, so, you know, you have this vision of who you are, right, Morgan? So, like, you're, you're envisioning yourself. So, like, those ideas of what you just shared, those beautiful filters of what you believe to be successful. Well, I'm sure when you're saying that, too, you can take it one step further and start envisioning you living as that individual, like living the lifestyle that confirms or affirms exactly what you just shared. So we get these visions of who we are, and, and sometimes we feel that we're actually living into that. Um, meanwhile, our actions <laughs> down here not very close to what we actually envision ourselves and and it creates this this uh, void as i call it and uh, i got very good at filling my void so i didn't feel so empty pardon the pun but and that's where alcohol just allowed me to give me a bit of a timeout, you know which also led to some drug use also led to some promiscuity and and i'm not happy of who i was you know like mm-hmm. straight up like i a younger version of you would have really liked hanging out with me. I, uh, <laughs> Who I was, yeah. you, you know, because my uh, it was just I'm, I'm not proud of who I was, but I don't deny who I was. Mm-hmm. And, but what ended up happening was I got to a point where I, I was going to lose my family. Christy had hit her wit's end, you know, because I was the guy that was really good for begging for forgiveness <laughs> and, and never asking for permission. No, because you know I felt entitled. This is what mm-hmm. I do. This is who I am. I deserve this. So you got a problem with that? You know, like I was just real dick and i just remember that morning you know she she sat me down and she, you know she's like i can't raise kids here this is not a safe environment for them this is not an environment that they deserve to live in you know and she just went on and on and, and it wasn't anything new but i could tell that her saying at this time and you can probably relate to this you know like when you get into that kind of an argument and it could be an argument you've had many 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 times with your partner before but the way they deliver it this time, you can tell there's something final about it, right? It's got a heaviness to it. And, uh, and I also, she had this look in her eye. And um, yeah, she asked me a question. She said, Ty, are you being the type of man that you would want to marry your daughters? And I just stopped, you know? I, I, I really, it hit me really hard in that moment exactly that idea of my daughters growing up, not only around my role modeling, but they often say, you know, daughters are attracted to guys that remind them most of their father, whether negative or positive. It's, it's just, you know, they talk about it in the psychology books, all the daddy-daughter books I've read reaffirm that. <laughs> and, and I wasn't being that guy. And if a guy like me, who I was, showed up on my doorstep saying, hey, I'd like to take your daughter Chardonnay or Brio or marry them, heaven forbid. Dude, I'd lose it. 
Mm. There's no way I would let them even to, to come through the door. And yet that's who I was. Right. And, and mm. it just sunk in. And that was the last time I had a drink. Like literally I, that was over 10 years ago. I, at that time I made a commitment to my family. I said, I'm just going to give up alcohol for a year. I'm not going to drink for one year just to show you this doesn't rule me. It's not a big deal. I can make the change when I want to make the change. And I'm doing this for me. And it turned into a lifestyle. You know, it's not been over 10 years. I just don't even have an inkling of want around that. Yeah. You know, it's just like, I've, it's opened up so many doors. Cause when you remove something like that, those negative habits, when you really uproot those and you start to replace them with better habits, your life changes pretty quick, but you also free up a lot of space, especially when you have a habit that's negative to your health and well being. Right. It's actually, cause as much as it gives us temporary relief in the moment, we know how we feel the next few days afterwards. And you can imagine if you're compounding that with daily chronic use, <laughs> it, it just compounds, not in a great way. And, uh, man, that one year, first year, it was crazy. All the changes that started to happen, especially with the muscle between my ears, started to become more conditioned because I started to condition it. And, uh, community was huge. Found Toastmasters, started connecting with some great people and, uh, realized that people I thought were my friends. Well, they were my bar friends. You know, I took the bar yeah. out of the equation and I realized, Oh, yeah. well, these are people I only know in that scene. I mean, it's, I, I'm not here to change them. Yeah. You know, and I always say, if you can't change the people around you, change the people around you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And yeah. so that's what I did. I changed my association. And that was probably one of the most influential pieces that really helped me make the full transformation or full commitment to this person I was living into now. And that, that topic comes up, I think nearly every single time I talk to anyone, right? any kind of success is a pivotal moment where they made a decision where they need to change the yeah. people that they're being around. Same with me. Um, environment just creates everything. Mm. Um, what's really interesting, and this is actually a thing that I'm really diving into more at the moment, mm. trying to really get my head around. You were talking before about, you know, you've got this vision, this person you want to become, but you're, you're being someone else. Yeah. What did you call that? Is it cognitive? Oh yeah. They, they, well, there's a term and I, I'll never do it as well as a textbook will, but it's called yeah. cognitive dissonance. And this it's basically, like a, a, I always equate it to, it's just this large gap between who, who we envision ourselves being versus who we actually are showing up as. You know? mm. and, and, and they're not, so, so that's called that. And so it's not, Right. So what, what is the, so if that's something that's not good, right. What would be the alternative? Like, how do you, cause this is, um, how, how can I articulate this question? Well, no, no, I think I get exactly what you mean. So yeah. it's again, that emotional connection that you have to that idea. And, and I think a lot of the times we're looking to improve ourselves. So it can be like hitting certain goals or achieving certain aspirations. And, but if we're doing things that are negatively affecting that path, that starts mm. to affect us psychologically especially you know it's like well i keep sabotaging myself you know like whose fault is it and i used to be really good at externalizing right i'd blame everything but me mm -hmm. but meanwhile it's like okay well i knew i had this client that i had to meet in the next day and i went out too late the night before i slept through the appointment this one deal could have been that that one deal that put me over my bonus and well i just screwed up you know completely but if i was really living into who i envisioned myself being that guy that had those certain values that guy wouldn't have done that, mm. you know? And, and so there's a big disconnect. And then I would just get frustrated and upset with myself because I felt like I was the one creating the disconnect. And, uh, and then that created stress and anxiety and a lot of blame and guilt. Self-worth. Self-worth issues. And uh, what? 
you know, the easiest way to deal with that, have another drink. <laughs> you know? mm. And uh, so you can sort of see it, it creates this like just this awful sort of spiral. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's so interesting. So, so from what I can understand, so you, you've got the vision, the person, the lifestyle, everything you want, your version of success, whatever that means to you. Yeah. So it's important to take a realistic look at your actions, your, your beliefs, your habits, your environment. And is that the exact person who your vision would be? Is that the person that they would hang around? Is that the kind of stuff that they would do? Is that is this to, to change it, you mean? To actually make the change or to bring to start, the connections to, together? Like, I mean, to I love how Tony Robbins does it, right? Like he, he talks about, well, who are you going to be? And who do you have to be? And actually spend a day living that life, right? Yes. Like really get Yeah, to bring them closer together. It. Yes. To actually yeah. start yeah. marrying that up. So it's about almost like acting, right? Or, yeah, or, no, or, very much or, so. Yeah. Yeah. Or thinking, uh, you know, what would be the values of somebody like that? What would they, what would they value? Because this is the thing that, and I've never admitted this. This is why I'm so curious about this right now because this, this is my, like I'm really learning through this now. Like I'm 26, you know, mm-hmm. I achieved some really cool success, um, but I want to go to that next level. Right. And I evaluated my business, my income, everything. And I'm like, why am, I, why am I at the exact same level I was a year and a half ago? Mm-hmm. When the year and a half prior, I had huge drastic change mm-hmm. in income and lifestyle right. and everything. I'm like what happened there? And I was having a conversation with someone a little while ago and it was just, he said that, and we we're talking about, you know, like I've got vices, right? And mm. we we're talking about, it, and he's like, are you, who are you being when no one's around? Mm-hmm. Are you, when no one's around, are you being the person that you want to become? And I'm like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> great, great question, right? Right. It's Huge. just so interesting thing to take a look at. It's like the person you want to become, mm. the success you want to create. What are the values? What are the beliefs? What are the people they hang around? What are the actions they do? Where do they eat, drink, hang out? What are they reading? What are they listening to? Are you doing that right now? Yeah. Wow. It's it's powerful, man. Like, well, it, it, it's that self accountability too, right? Like, it's mm. it's really being clear. And and I always admire people, especially like like just elite athletes, because the amount of dedication and commitment and repetition that has gone into just living that consistent life like day in, day out for years. Like I look at hockey players. I mean, they start pretty much at three years old and then hopefully they get signed at 18 or 19. But from that, those 15, 16 years, their life was hockey. Like it was hockey, you know, it's getting up at 4 a.m., getting down to the rink. Like it was crazy what these guys do and go through. And, uh, you know, it's no different than any other sport. Yeah, and uh, yet they're able to maintain that. It's, it's, it's I, I think just the psychology of, of professional athletes is remarkable. Yet, so, meanwhile, we always hear about people that have, you know, then they get there to where they've been wanting to to arrive, and and sometimes you know they let loose a little bit. <laughs> let's and, let's uh, talk about that in 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 a second. Because yeah, like why why like because yeah. I hit that like what what's happened there? Um, uh-huh. what was I gonna ah. Uh, Fuck it. Let's just go there. I forget. I'm going to ask you something. My mind's gone everything, everywhere right now. I'm like, so that's an interesting mm-hmm. thing, right? So once you, because you do see that, once people hit there, and I've hit it myself, I've created a vision, mm-hmm. what I want to create, and I've hit it. And for a yeah. moment, when I quit my job and I moved to LA, I realized it. People were asking mm-hmm. me, I was 23, I, I retired, right? I quit my job, whatever. <laughs> and, yeah. and they're like, how does it feel? And I didn't want to talk to anybody for a week. I was like, I'm mm-hmm. fucking confused. I'm not sure. <laughs> And I think it was because I, now I've hit my, my vision. Now I'm like, I'm here. What's next? Yeah. 
but I didn't spiral, but you do see some kind of people. Why, why do you think that is? I think that's a valid point. I think if we all think about it, at least when I think about it from my perspective, it's I know exactly what that's like when you get there to that point. You know, it's happened to me a few times in my life. We're just, you get very complacent, right? At least I got very complacent, just became very comfortable and just expected things to more or less stay the same. And sometimes we create challenges when there aren't challenges there to, to be had. You know, I think some of us are, are very competitive and we need some competition. And if we don't find any, I think we create it mm. <laughs> or problems to solve, right? Mm. Uh, at least in my case, I definitely, I, I would always look to try to level up more, more level, you know, make a little bit more, make another sale. Like, I don't know. I was obviously, I mean, when I look back on it, I, I was just very lopsided. You know, I had a lot of imbalances when it came to values. And I valued money, like, really, really high. Yet, I would still do a lot of things that would sabotage myself on that front. Like, just go out and really a weekend under kind of thing, you know, and just blow money on stuff I didn't need. And, you know, just made some poor decisions. But... It, in hopes that that would bring me happiness. It would make me feel fulfilled or satisfied. And uh, you can only do that for so long. Then you eventually to figure it out where you're like, okay, well, all this must have the wrong vision where <laughs> I need to find a healthier challenge or a bigger purpose, really reconnect with my why and figure that out. You know, when the why is strong enough, we can endure anyhow. And that was mm. Victor Frankl wrote that, you know, Man's Search for Meaning. Beautiful book, but this guy—he was a psychologist, but he was also a prisoner in the the, the Nazi camps, right? The death camps, and uh, wow. survived it to document his story. But he had an interesting perspective because he was, you know, a, a, psycho a psychologist, so he's able to self-reflect, <laughs> and and that he had just that mind to be able to observe what was happening to everybody else, also observe himself and what he was feeling and how he was thinking and his attitude and. It's a remarkable book, but man when I think about for meaning, man search for meaning. Yeah, the author was a prisoner, Victor Frankel. Yeah, Doctor wow. Victor Frankel. Okay. Yeah, German, German. Who, yeah, it's it's wild. You're you're gonna love it. But sorry, I'm I'm going off on a bit of a tangent. Yeah, okay. But what I was trying to to get at is um, this idea, right? This, this idea of our why. Uh, I mean, I think we hear it a lot because I mean, Simon Sinek, his books start with why. We got Tony Robbins, who calls himself the why guy, right? Like, it, it, there, there's a lot of people that talk about this, but it's because it's got such an emotional connection. It really hits us in a different way. A different part of the brain gets hit too, right? But when you talk about what and how, where these these things, other aspects of whatever it is, it's pretty easy to describe that. We have a general idea of of what it is. Yet sometimes when the how is really hard really challenging and stresses us out and makes us anxious it, it, it's easy at times to give up right i mean really and yet you know victor frankel said well when your why is powerful enough when that deep sense of purpose or that drive it, it, the will to live is strong enough because of, of this uh, you'll endure anyhow mm. doesn't matter because it's not about the how it's about the why uh, wow. Just a, a really interesting perspective because I've always heard about it more from the business or the personal development side, but to hear this from a real life, like life and death kind of situation, it's, it makes me wonder about myself. I'm like, if I was in that situation, would I have had that kind of awareness or ability just to, to handle that level of stress, physical, psychological, emotional, right? Spiritual. 
like i don't think so like i, I don't believe i could have so it, it yeah. just yeah it, it just made me realize i got a lot more work to do the internal work right mm. it's like a never-ending game like that's like i'm literally <laughs> like it's, it's it's so funny like you know and sometimes people like like you know me quite well um but like other people don't know me they're like i'm 26 and sometimes when i say this i'm like i thought i had shit figured out you know because like like i said like like i'm probably not like most 26 year olds like i've done some huge work and i'm so every time i find this new thing I'm like i don't know about that that's weird i want to find out i feel like i i overcome whatever i need to overcome and i achieve it. i'm like yes i truly did think i'm like man i've got shit figured out and then the start this year just punched me in the face like not even one punch it was just like i just got like smashed like gang bash this year that's what i felt like and it's like oh. no you don't know shit and that's why this conversation mm. is so funny because <laughs> my actions where it's like i've been trying to like escape a little bit here but i yeah. you know but but then also this new chapter like finding the new identity going through breakups yeah. who am right. i just me who am i for me what am i doing what are, what's my new purpose as a, as a single person and and so it's but it's so it's interesting and now i'm really really enjoying the dance of figuring it out and, and the excitement mm. of a yeah. new kind of thing. And what we spoke about before is like that spiral of doing things then having the guilt on yourself. Like I don't drink really yeah. anymore. Like if I drink, I drink champagne because I like, I like to pop a bottle. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, the bar downstairs filled with champagne, like we drink champagne, but I do not just go out and drink because yeah, I feel like crap the next day mm. a little bit, but I more so feel guilty mm. because I'm like, you've just wasted a day. You've just wasted a day, your optimal level. You're not being the person that you actually want to create. And, it's, and, and I would get bad at myself, but I didn't know the effects it was causing on me by going, wow, I'm actually hating myself because of the actions I made. And so now it's this new journey of going, what's well, okay, how can I just appreciate myself and then realize that, hey, I might have fucked up and it's still <laughs> okay. Don't, don't hold guilt or beat yourself up about it. Yeah. Um, but Di, how, how can someone... So let's say like making better decisions with that, right? Like how, how can someone, mm -hmm. so you've got your vision, you've got this version of success you want to create. And let's say if you now you're listening to this podcast and you're understanding like, oh, maybe my actions aren't marrying up with this. Or what, how, how can you stay disciplined? How can you be conscious to actually make those better decisions? Because it was without it, like you don't know what you don't know. And that's why I've been doing all this shit. And I just figured out, holy crap, I thought I could keep doing that. but Ideally, that 30-year-old version of me who has what I want wouldn't be doing that. It's, uh, well, I, I, I like these kind of questions because it, it does involve a little bit of self-reflection, right? Like you got to start thinking about, okay, well, if I was wanting something and, and I think back on some of the things that I've worked through and, and you know, I have an autoimmune disease, it's chronic. I mean, I was diagnosed a number of years ago, had three bone marrow biopsies where they take a big wow. honking needle, they stick it in your hip and they withdraw bone marrow and bone. Not a pleasant test. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but they had to go through that process to eliminate a lot of potential, what, it, what they believed it was acting like, which was like leukemia. You know, it was a pretty scary time. And I remember when there was that period of about five weeks where they just, they had to wait for tests to come back, right? And I just remember those five weeks, like, my God, like, because, you know, you, you go online, you start typing stuff in, and next thing you know, it's like, whoa, my gosh, fatality, what? Oh, my goodness. You know, you just, you start playing out these potential futures. And when it came back, I was like, 
okay, well, it's not that bad. I mean, it's not an immune disease. I'm going to have to live with it for the rest of my life. It means I've got a compromised immune system, but I don't have to be a victim to this. You know, yeah. what can I do right now, habit wise, that will improve my my odds of of not sustaining the worst that this this disease could do for me. You know what I mean? Like it was like, what can I do right now to give myself the best opportunity to be as healthy as possible? Healthy as someone that doesn't have a compromised immune system. The nice thing is, we know a lot about autoimmune diseases nowadays. I mean, there's so many of them popping up, and big part of the global population now have it. And I'm not going to go down that tangent and hypothesize about what that is, but. Uh, you know, autoimmune diseases, It's they've shown there's ways, there's types of foods that we eat, types of ways that we manage stress in our lives and anxiety, the environment we find ourselves. Like there's a lot of factors that go in to creating that, that chronic inflammation in our body. So if you take a proactive approach and you do something to limit inflammation in your bodies or to even reduce it, good things happen. I've been very fortunate, you know. Uh, I know people with my condition not a pretty place, you know. Um, I've been fortunate that most of the symptoms are at bay. I get hit every once in a while. I get knocked down, and yeah, I get a flu. I'm probably out for a few weeks, uh, and that's why this COVID thing is a little bit more sensitive, you know. And just mm. I'm I'm taking the quarantine serious only because I know if I got it, it's going to be a hell of a fight, and I don't need that. But I'm not going to live in a bubble like my hematologist joked that I should probably do, you know, it's like, yeah. that's no bubble, Bali. No, I'm going to Bali, you know? Like, mm -hmm. And uh, so back to your question, it, I think a lot of it boils down to, you have to become aware of what you really want, but really get clear on why you want it. And once you have that, I mean, you can draw a pretty easy conclusion. It's like, do I really value this more than I value these other things? Like maybe a night out with the guys, mm. maybe going to, to buy that newest game system. You know, I, I remember when back in my 20s, I was like, oh, new Xbox, new PlayStation game. I'm going to buy it because I can, you know. And what the hell? I want the newest toys, you know. And I remember just making stupid decisions. Like, I don't need this. I don't even play it. Like, why am I doing this? And it was really an ego thing. You know, for me, that's what drove me in this idea of success and this image that I was trying to produce. And uh, so there you go. You know, it's, I think we start looking at the choices that we're making. What do we value more? At a point in my life, I'll be honest with you, I was valuing the opinion of people that really didn't care about me. You know, like I valued their opinion over that uh, opinion of my family. <laughs> I valued alcohol and that experience of drinking, as temporary as it was, over the love of my family. Like, really, that's what I was doing. When you boil down to it, I'm saying, no, this is more important to me. I value this more in the moment. It's crazy when you really start reflecting on that. Like you really have to ask that when you catch yourself in the moment about to do something that you've already said, you know, I know this isn't good for me. Mm. I hear people say this all the time. Oh, I know it's not good for me, but I'm going to do it anyways. And here's why. And then they justify it, right? It's like we're letting ourselves off the hook all the time, all the time, you know, especially when we're alone. And that's why I think what you said earlier is like, man, that's so spot on. I think that's great. Like, who are you when nobody's watching, man? Yeah. Like, boom, that's a big one. It Anyways, those are just some thoughts that I have on that. But I think habits are huge, right? Like, but don't say, I, uh, like, I'm going to go and I'm going to completely reinvent my life overnight and have to do a complete 180. I think it's just acknowledging what is the one habit that I know is the biggest one holding me back from going after what I want or who I want to be. Like, what is that one thing that if you change that one thing, you know, everything else either becomes easier or obsolete. That's what Keller said in his book, One Thing, right? I think that's a great way to look at it. But what is the one thing that you either could be doing 
or maybe in some cases, just one thing that you stop doing. Mm. <laughs> and for me, that was alcohol and drugs and some of the, the stuff that it was doing to my lifestyle. As soon as I took that out, it was like, whoa, I felt like I had rockets behind me because I had all this extra well, money and time, mental capacity. I was feeling less stressed, less anxious. I could actually have a conversation with some people, get to know them a bit better, be more present for my family. Like, everything started to go up. All the markers started getting going up, right? And it's amazing. It was just one thing I took away. And, and then I made a commitment of making a habit of not drinking. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, what do you think wow. about it, though? I think that's, that's great. Like, it, it, it is that. It's like what you're valuing the most. And, and it's, it's so interesting. And, and this is like, I don't know how to teach someone how to do this. Like, I know I'm good at this because I really value growth. I really value, like, the thing that scares me the most is getting to the finish line and facing off with the person I could have become. That yeah. scares the shit out of me. Mm. So I'm willing to face off with whatever the fuck I need to face off with to become yes. the best version of me and make the biggest impact. So when I, like, I, like, coach myself. Like, if, if someone could see the thoughts and conversations I have with myself mm. on a day, it's, it's nuts. Like, it's actually <laughs> nuts. Like, and I, I was sit and I was like, what's that? And then I'll listen, like, mm -hmm. to what's my ego saying? What's the thing I need the most? You know, and I, and I have these conversations and I'm willing to sit there and go, that's, you know, you need to do that. And I'm like, but I don't want to do that. And it's like, I know, <laughs> but you know yeah. what? You're going to do it. And then I'm willing to sit through that discomfort, that pain, that whatever I need to do, have the yeah. hard conversations, do the hard things because I know that that's, you know, I'm like, yeah, you don't want to do that. And I think that's the thing. That, that's why people justify and they'll, they'll retreat back to comfort. I don't know how to teach someone the way I, I talk to myself in my head, but I'm just willing to know like I know when I'm retreating back to comfort, right. I know when I'm retreating back to what's easy. And if I keep doing what's easy, then life's going to be mm -hmm. hard. But if I make some short decisions that are really fucking hard, <laughs> life's going to be really easy. True. So I'm willing to kind of sit and have those conversations with myself. And, and I did it the other day. I, I had a hectic breakdown, like hectic. Mm. Uh, and, and I was like, and it was just, just some stuff I couldn't figure out on my own. I'm like, this is weird. Why can't I figure this out? Usually you can figure this out. And then it goes, just go and ask for help. And I'm like, fuck that. I'm not doing that. No, I'm okay. Uh, and it's like, and Morgan, that's why you need to go do it. And I'm like, but I'm not. And my friend Mel was here at the house and she's really great with that kind of stuff. And it's like, go and talk to Mel. And I'm like, mm -hmm. no. And then this is the conversation. And then it's like, the fact that you don't want to do that, just, just get up. And just go and make that, like take the courage first of doing what you know is going to be hard and then just, mm. just roll with it, just flow with it and let whatever happens has to happen. And yeah. from that conversation, just doing that, like, I've, you know, a lot's happened in the last week, you <laughs> know? And so, but it'd be so easy for me to sit there and go, no, I don't want to do that. And let my ego just say, mm -hmm. you know, stick to doing what's, what's comfortable and what's easy. Um, yeah, it's... And and we have to still remember back though, like that thing that we equate as being comfortable and easy, it probably took a little bit of work to get to that level. 100%. And, and, and at least, you know, I'm, I'm playing. <laughs> I like to believe that people are always evolving, you know, and, and I do believe evolution is a bit of a choice <laughs> a lot of times, especially based on what we're having a conversation right here. Like it takes time. You have to make a commitment to be consistent either with what you're putting in your mind, you know, input wise, um, but also the outputs you're creating. You know, and, and I find the two are directly connected and very correlated, right? And, and also the environment we find ourselves, the people we find ourselves around. So there's, 
it's almost like a little science experiment, right? Like we know if we get certain conditions right, good things are going to happen. May not always feel that way, and it's usually because of fear, right? Sort of like what you're talking about. There's the ego piece. It's like I'm fear of judgment, fear of of <laughs> uh, failing, fear of being, you know, perceived as less or not wanted. Like also for me, it's just the, even the fear of the unknown. I start to try to rationalize. Well, if I'm afraid of the unknown. Well, let's start thinking about all the potential knowns that could happen. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. let's think about everything that could happen if I go do this thing that I'm absolutely petrified of, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I think Tim Ferriss has got a great um, TED talk on this. And uh, the activity is called uh, Fear Setting, I believe. Where he just talks about, you know, he tries to rationalize fear, right? And the best way to rationalize it is just that. Take it away from the unknown and try to, know about it but use logic as you start to reason through it because i think a lot of time fear is a very emotional response yeah the easiest ways to to take the emotions out is well when you start to rationalize it you know and uh so it's a it's an exercise because my wife and i used that you know five years ago when i quit my career she quit hers a month later a few months after that we pulled the kids out of school and we're like peace <laughs> you know packed up our suv gave away everything else and just started traveling and uh, we didn't really have a plan B at the time. We had a little bit of some options, had some savings, but not enough to like say, well, screw this, you know, this thing I've been working at for the last 17 years and building and constantly reinvesting back in the company. Well, I just don't want to do this anymore, you know, and, and left that. Like yeah. it took some time to get to that point, but we also played, we had that conversation leading up to that day when I was finally going to give my notice and say, you know, I'm leaving. We talked like, what's the worst that could happen? We're like, mm. Mm, well, we have to come back and get jobs. <laughs> I mean, that was really the worst. Like when we really yeah. thought about all the worst, oh yeah, the car could break down, you have to pay for the stuff to fix it. And, and that happened. <laughs> we had all sorts of stuff happen. But really at the end of the day, we, we were still living our choices, you know, living the life that we had started to lean into because we also recognized, man, this is going to be great. You know, like it's going to be hard. It's going to be a lot of unknowns. It's going to be some fear here. Mm -hmm. But really what is the worst that's going to happen? The worst that's going to happen is we're going to run out of money. You know, we're going to have to ask one of our parents to give us a loan. We'll probably have to move back and move in with them until we find jobs and get back on our feet. Yeah. But that was it. I mean, we were very grateful. We had family that we could lean on if we wanted to. Fortunately, we didn't need to, you know, and, but yeah, I mean, when you start to try to rationalize our fears, especially fear around the unknown, because most of the time when we're trying something new, that's the biggest fear, isn't it? Yeah. I think, you know, the unknown. And some people might, I mean, if you want to go perish on a plane for the first time, I guess fear of, you know, dying is very real. <laughs> you know, like I, I don't think that's something that you really rationalize, but, you know, you look at statistics, you go to Google, how many people die in, you know, yeah. under planes every year? And, yeah, anyways, um, but I, I don't know, like, what are your thoughts around this? Yeah, it, it, that's funny. It's just, it, it, it kind of circles back to what we kind of opened this up with. There's that fear, there's going to be fear either way. Yeah. And like really for me, is, like <laughs> I, think, I think I'm just, I'm just a realist. I think like, and I've got a lot of friends who are like, I speak to a lot, like a lot of my close friends are yeah. older than me. Mm -hmm. I like, I don't have, like I've got friends who are my age and younger, but they're not yeah. really my friends I have conversations like this with. So I'm, but I've gone seek that. So I have conversations yeah. with like two of my best friends are 60 years old. Right and on. the conversations I have with those guys are on another level. They see life a different way. They got so much yeah. more wisdom. And I think I'm just, I just don't have my head in the sand about hmm. knowing that we're going to die. Like we're going to freaking die. And what, like, 
you know, on your birth, on your gravestone, it's going to have the year you were born, the year you freaking died and that little dash. And mm-hmm. what do you get doing that dash? And I, I'm just not, I'm not ignorant to the fact that if I don't do some shit, it's going to scare me. And if I don't push the mm-hmm. limits and if I just don't just dance with the devil a little bit, like, if, <laughs> you know what I mean? If I just don't just push the boundaries and do things that do scare me every single day, then that dash is right. just going to be really mediocre which is one of the words i hate the most along with the word hate, <laughs> you know that's just me so i'm willing to like i think the fear that drives me every single day is literally getting to the finish line and knowing how i haven't not even close to the person i could have become that scares mm-hmm. the shit out of me so i'm willing to face off with any temporary fear knowing mm-hmm. that like I, I don't know imagine getting to 80 90 years old and just sitting there with a whole mind of regret. Imagine yeah. sitting there going, oh my God, I was scared of what fucking Sally would have thought of me back when I was 25. I was afraid of little Bobby giving me shit because I want to go and start my own business. Like, you know, now that kid's, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you don't think of these things when, when you're that old. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I think I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just willing to actually just be real with that and mm-hmm. just know that and nothing no fear, no pain lasts forever. So as soon as you, you, yeah. you just take that first step of courage, like I said the other day, having to actually go and talk to my friend, I was like, just, just get up. Mm-hmm. Just take one step of courage. You know? And funny enough, uh, she actually met me at my bedroom door because I was walking out. <laughs> and then she's like, hey, Morgs. And I'm like, hey. <laughs> and she's like, what's up? And I'm like, oh my god, that's just you know what I mean. Like, uh, so um, yeah. So and then, but then the, that's that's the thing. You 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 do that continually happens all the time. If you do what mm-hmm. the things that are scary, you do the things that are scary right now. The universe rewards you, gives you exactly what you need. Gives <laughs> you the lesson, or gives you the the tools, the skills, the people you need to meet when you do take that courage. But when you stick mm-hmm. and just doing the same shit, staying in safety all the time, you're never going to get fed those things, or you you might not even be open to even uh, receiving them. And, and I think all that is so true and, and especially true in your perspective of what you've experienced, right? Cause you've changed your perspective by actually living that process, right? Like, mm. and I think that's the piece that a lot of times if we're very new in that process, we don't even trust the process yet. You know, like mm. we don't have the wins yet to, to, to build that internal belief system. So there's a lot of faith, a lot of trust in a process, in a plan, and, and a lot of hope, right? Like it really does boil down to a lot of those factors in for us to say, okay, well, I don't know what the result will be, but then, and, you know, sort of picking off what you said is, is this idea. Like I, I know as long as I try and I really go for it, 20, 30 years from now, when I'm looking back at this, there won't be any regrets that I didn't at least try, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's okay. And, and it's like, I always say to people, I'm like, if you're happy right where you are right now, that's awesome celebrate it like enjoy it because i hate to tell you buddha said this too shall pass Mm. and he wasn't talking about just the bad stuff in our life same with the good stuff like it will pass we you said earlier you know we already know we're gonna die i don't think anyone's figured out how to beat that one yet Mm. never know (laughs) hopefully (laughs) in our lifetime yeah yeah but you never know right like we don't know yet and but we know that death comes and when we start looking at that it does put a bit of an expiration date on things. I, I mean, in my life now, like if you go off statistically in the globe and the average lifespan of a human being, especially a male, dude, 
I'm past halfway. So that mm-hmm. clock that was on the wall counting up, <laughs> it's starting to count down now, you know, like if I go by that, but obviously yeah, yeah. the lifestyle I live, I'm going to live to be 120, you know, and uh, that's my mindset. And I'm going to do what I can to try to ensure that that is the path I follow, but that's a choice. Yes. And I follow that up with repeated actions. And, and so I think perspectives are always, always need to be challenged. And, and it really comes down to knowing, well, if I'm not happy where I am right now, do I believe in myself enough to make that first step towards changing it? You know, changing my situation. And if I can do this, or if I can't do this on my own, who can help me? And I think you said that earlier, you know, you, you asking for help is, is such a powerful thing. And it's, I think it's something that's really hard for men to do. You know, I, yeah. I, I know I've struggled with it most of my life. I still do. Yeah. It's weird. It is weird. Like I, I, I I'm pretty like, I'm, I'm very open to asking for help for everything. Cause I'm like, Hey, I don't, I don't know this yet, but I'm willing mm-hmm. to, you know, show me how to do it. Show me how to, create it and, and i'm gonna be epic at it um something you said just before um made me think it's like you know this too shall pass even the good things and and so often so many people put achievements on like you know happiness get me when i'm get there or happiness or success equals if i achieve my goal or not where a huge thing i learned was the real happiness and the real success building self-worth has to come into actually just doing the work Mm-hmm. because absolutely because then you can reflect back like you said in 20 years and be proud of yourself that you actually gave it a shot and you gave it your best yeah. shot regardless if like sometimes we can't control if it's gonna be a win or not but we right. can control our actual work we do mm-hmm. so we can look back and create be proud of ourselves. that's the ultimate win you get to the finish line and you're just so content so proud of everything you've done that's, that's right. you know what i mean it's I love this. Huge, you know? and, like, uh, the, Bronnie Ware, uh, she wrote a book called The Five Regrets of the Dying. And for those that don't want to read her book, she did a TED Talk and she's done all sorts of interviews all around the world on different podcasts. And I think Oprah even interviewed her. And uh, Bronnie Ware, but she's Australian. An Australian. Aussie. Aussie lady. And, yeah, yeah. and she was a, a care nurse. Um, or I believe long-term care or was it – either way. I know that she was dealing with elderly. So it might have even been in a hospice-type situation. Uh, either way – you know, she had all this experiences towards end of life with these patients and, and she got to know them. You know, she had a great bedside manner, clearly, you know, where she was recognizing some of these people were by themselves, alone. You know, and mm. I think it was Blake that said, you know, it's the one journey we all got to go on our own. <laughs> you know, no one can go there with us. But mm. still, there's that sort of finality and that, that loneliness in it, right? And this idea of not having any loved ones around you. I mean, that would be so hard, right? Mm-hmm. Like so hard. And and yet she, she had these conversations and she was able to identify the same five recurring themes over and over again. And almost every single person she talked to and asked the question, is there anything that you regret not doing in life? It was almost always this, one of these five. And one of them was, I wish I'd allowed myself to become the person I wanted to be, not the person everybody expected me to be. Wow. Oh, that one's like, bam. You know, it's like, that is deep. It's crazy. One of the other ones is, I wish I had allowed myself to be happier. That implies choice around happiness, that we can choose to be happier, right? And it's often based on situations, and sometimes the changes that we have to undergo will provide us more happiness long-term, right? But when we're in that moment, the fear of change and the fear of loss and all that other stuff, it holds us back. But here are these people that are sharing these these regrets, and and I, I challenge people. 
you know, to go and read that book or at least go and learn what these five regrets are because it's going to put it again, a different perspective or at least a different conversation in your head, (laughs) you know, And, and you identify these five and then you find yourself limiting your choices and you know, by me living or doing this or not doing this activity that I know I need to do in order to move me one step closer to who I want to evolve into. But it looks like I'm copying up down this. This is the regret that will be the result of that action, right? Or inaction in many cases. And uh, it's really, it's, I found it very enlightening. And uh, after my father passed just over three years ago and going through that process, first personal, like, family member I've lost and uh, I mean I've lost grandparents and that kind of thing but it's a different type of relationship mm. right like first time losing a parent and uh, so challenging so yeah. hard and and my dad was young 72 pancreatic cancer and uh, not not a not that any cancer is a good cancer but if you're gonna get a cancer it's one of the worst and just seeing him deteriorate over that well, really, it was about three and a half, almost four months, you know, just like a rapid decline. And uh, But we had the opportunity to have time with them. Uh, and it was, uh, again, based on some of the choices that we made a few years pre- prior to that. And had I not made that commitment to myself to like, I'm going to quit my job in 17 years because I want to do something new. I want to do something that I'm in alignment with. That's something that I feel drawn to again, you know. And But had I not done that, I wouldn't have been able to spend that amount of time with them. And this is why, I, you know, you're talking about the universe and this idea. And I'm like, I'm not a woo-woo guy. But I'm like, it's amazing how certain things happen when we're open to them, you know? And uh, that's why I, I love every choice I've ever made, good or bad. I mean, it's, I mean yeah. in the moment, it was probably a good idea why I did it. But <laughs> I know the end result that was created wasn't necessarily what I wanted, especially long term. But it brought me one step closer to who I am right now. And every decision I make tomorrow and every action I take after this, I know it's going to continue to further that journey. And I just got to trust that this process I'm going on is this – path I'm on is what I'm meant to be doing, mm. you know, and, and that's why these questions, these self-reflecting questions specifically, they're so powerful, but we wow. got to ask them every day. Every day you got to ask ourselves these questions, you know, and yeah. uh, I think it's, I think it's cool, like sort of how you're talking about the fear piece. It's just like, okay, well, what can I do today that's going to scare me a little, you know, yeah. <laughs> and you know, just prove to myself that I, I am courageous. I am brave. I'm going to do it anyways. And, and then, once you get through it, it's always funny because then you look back on it. It's like the first time I remember as a kid, I, I used to not like heights. And I remember being on the big diving board at the pool, you know, and looking down and being like, oh, man, that is a long way down. I'm, and, you know, you just stand there looking. <laughs> you just keep looking off that diving board, walking to the back, let another kid go. And then I walk back up to the front. I'm looking down. I'm like, oh, no, I'm still not going to do this. Go back. And then eventually you just you get to a point and you just say, fuck it. <laughs> you know, yeah. like you think that and you just, and then you just go and you do it. And then I think about it. I get down to the bottom and it was like so fun. I didn't hurt myself. Gosh. And then, you know, I'm the next kid up the ladder again, doing it again. I think a lot of our fears gets down to that point where we just got to look at ourselves and trust enough. I'm not going to die. Yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> I'm going for it, man. And yeah. uh, so, anyways, I, I don't know. I, I think it's just weird that that whole idea of how we limit ourselves. You know. Yeah, I agree, man. This has been so incredible. Um, where can everybody find you? Follow you on social media? Well, fortunately, my parents gave me a very unique name, and they were, you know, obviously knew something because it was pre-internet. <laughs> uh, well, I guess the internet was around, but pre the way we know the internet, pre-Google. Uh, so it's very SEO friendly. If you can spell my name right, Di D A I Manuel, I'm A N U E L. You can find me on every platform. 
um, I've got my name. So uh, I'm most active on Instagram and Facebook, but my website has over 1,500 articles on it. It's just dimanuel.com, all lifestyle focused. Uh, unless you go back to when I started it, and I actually started it because I got into something called CrossFit a long time ago. I'm an OG, <laughs> old guy, okay? And, uh, <laughs> and I've been around CrossFit for a long time since it started. Like my buddy opened the first one in Canada. That's how far back I go, right? And uh, anyways, I, I started my blog as a simple way to document my journey into CrossFit. Like literally all I would do is write down, if you go back, Morgan, to my early post, you probably like it because we've done CrossFit together and you know what it's like, especially when you just get started in CrossFit. Mm. And so I'd have a picture of me doing the workout and then I'd, I'd have my score and I'd post it. And there wasn't a lot of sites doing this yet back then. And so that's where a lot of my early people that came to my stuff was were CrossFitters. And, and then just over time, as my passions changed, my desires changed and how I wanted to serve people changed. So did my platform. And I've, had, I've done like eight redesigns on my freaking blog, you know. And uh, But there's lots of content there. And sorry, I, I just rambled on. But uh, if people reach out and they just say, hey, Di, how you doing? That's all you got to write to me. Just say that and that will get the conversation started. <laughs> and we'll go from there, you know. I love that. All right, Di, to wrap this up, I'm going to ask you a question. Oh, boy. Let's do it. Are you ready? Yeah, okay. <laughs> if you were to go back to your 18-year-old self mm. and give yourself 30 seconds of advice, what would it be? You are perfect just the way you are. You know, you don't have to change. You are already enough. And I would want myself to repeat that back to me over and over and over again. Because that was ultimately the, the, the bottom line. Every, every real challenge that ever came up, I know when I dig into the sentiment that was at the root cause of that, it often came down to just self-worth and belief in myself and lack thereof. And so uh, that would be my, my words of advice. And so anyone that's feeling that way out there, listen, you're enough. You are. Like, you are right now. And uh, sometimes we just have to talk to ourselves a little bit more, hug ourselves a little bit more, <laughs> you know? And, and there's lots of ways to do that. And uh, so if you ever want to talk about it, just reach out. Thank you so much for listening. Guys, if you know anyone else who is as passionate for life as they are successful, then please send them my way. I'd absolutely love to have them on the show. As Zig Ziglar says, if you help enough people get what they want in life, you'll have everything you want. So that's why each month I'm choosing one lucky person who has left a review to have a free private 30-minute coaching call with me. So guys, if you got some value or inspiration from this, it goes such a long way. If you can just take 10 seconds and leave a five-star review and you'll go in the draw to win the call. And if you could share this with a friend, I would be forever grateful. Until next time, guys, I've got your back. Go out and dream out loud.